you, brother. How many mothers we have here? Raise your hand. Praise God. I want you all to stand. I'm not trying to embarrass you. Come on, to stand, scan. And uh, as they all stand, this is all our mothers. Amen. I'm going to have my daughter come. And I want to give this to you guys. This is a, from my, my wife in the door. I want to give you a gift to let you know you are appreciated as a mother. Amen. So let them pass those around to all the mothers in our church. Uh, as we go, this is for all of you. Uh, just to say that, you know what, thank you for being a mom. Uh, I think some of you guys do your job. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes you never, you'll never know, and I'm gonna minute, I don't want to give the sermon away in this, uh, this, this speech, but you'll never know what you're, what you're a part of and what you're doing does matter. And so I really want to encourage you. So let's give these mothers a hand as they're here. Amen. Praise God. Now you can sit down, and I don't want to embarrass you anymore. And so I understand that, you know, and let me switch over here now. Praise God. Turn your Bibles to the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 8, and say amen when you're there. The book of Ruth, chapter 1. And uh, you want to turn down the highs, please? It's going to get feedback. We're there. Thank you. Ruth, chapter 1, verse 8, and say amen when you're there. And I want to minister along the lines of mother and being a mother. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm reading a, I was reading an article uh, one of my friends sent me as a pastor. And one of the articles I read, it was about a, uh, it was about a, a woman named Rana Reiko Rizzuto. Now, she wrote a book, a memoir, of, it was called Hirish, uh, Hirish, I'm sorry, Hiroshima by Morning. And in this book, I'm sorry, Hiroshima in the Morning, and in this book, she, she writes about how people that survived Hiroshima in Japan, when the, the bomb dropped in Hiroshima, how they pretty much dealt with the bomb and all the survivors that were there in Japan. But this is what the issue is that she did this. She is a mother. She has two boys. And so when she wrote this book, she had to go to Japan to research but when she went to Japan, while she was there, she had an epiphany. She says, you know what? I'm just not going to leave my husband and my children for six weeks. I'm going to leave my children for good. She says, you know what? While I was there in Japan, she said she came to herself and says, you know what the problem with being a mother is? A mother is always giving. She was on the Today Show and they asked her about her leaving her kids and her husband. She said she never wanted children anyway. And motherhood has caused her to struggle being true to herself. She was afraid of motherhood and being swallowed up by it. They asked her, if you never went to Japan, what do you think would have happened? She goes, I think one day I would have said... I did that thing I didn't want to do, and that was to give up my life for someone else. Let me tell you something. I read this. I know there's no mother in here that would do this. That I believe there is no one here to say to themselves, you know what? I know you may feel like this woman at times. That you want to leave. But I don't believe that a lot of mothers here in America or even this church would ever do that. But I do believe that this woman 
It's saying something, I believe, of what is happening today with a lot of mothers. Is that sometimes they just feel like quitting. And so I'm going to preach along the lines of motherhood. And the name of my sermon I've called Supermom. Because I want to talk about a super mother that was in the Bible, in the book of Ruth. I want to preach on Naomi. And I want to look at Ruth 1, verse 8. Are you there? And it says this. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return to each of your mother's house. The Lord will deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with dead and with me. The Lord, that you may find rest, each in the house of your husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they sat there, Surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight, should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me, and they have lifted up their voices and wept again, Orpah, not Oprah, kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to be with her people, to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you, or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. So your people shall be my people, and your God should be my God. And where you die, I will die. And there will be I, I and where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. And the Lord said to me, and more also, is anything but death departs you and me. And when she saw that she was determined to go with her. She stopped speaking to her. And that two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they came to Bethlehem. And all the city was excited because the woman said, Is this Naomi? And she said to them, Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. And I went full. And the Lord has brought me home empty. Let's pray. Father God, I pray, Lord God, that you would minister a word due in season that would bring forth revelation and understanding. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let's look at the story that's happening here. Here's the famous story. It's one of the smallest books in the Bible that you can read in one day. It's really simple. But what the book of Ruth is about is a woman, and it really the book of Ruth is not really about Ruth. What it's about is Ruth, and she has a sister named uh, Oprah, and there she has her mother-in-law, Naomi. Now, the way the story goes is Naomi has two sons, and they marry Moabite women. Now, the Moabite women are Ruth and Oprah. I mean, Oprah. Right, let's just call her Oprah so we don't get it mixed up. Oprah. And they, they marry them, and in this time period, within 10 years, she loses her two sons, and she loses her husband. In that, she looks at her daughters-in-law and says to them, You can go. You don't have to stay here. You know what? Don't stay with this old lady here. Go find a husband. And they say, No, we love you. We want to be with you. And in saying that, she says, No, go back. There's no way. Even if I had children, even if I gave birth to another son, are you going to wait? You're going to be too old the time they're older. And she says, You just need to go. And so Oprah says, You know what? I'm out of here. She takes off, says, Okay, I'll miss you. But Ruth, it says that she clings to Naomi. She goes, I don't care what you say. 
I want to stay with you. Where you go, I go. Where you go to sleep, I will be next to you. Where you go, and you know what? Your God that you serve, I want to serve your God. And so here's the picture. She don't want to leave. And so here's Naomi. She goes back to her home city there in Bethlehem, and she shows up. And when they see her, they says, a woman get excited. It says, oh, isn't Naomi coming back? And as she walks in, you can almost get the picture. It's like a parade. She's walking back. There she is with her daughter-in-law, Ruth. And they say, oh, it's Naomi. She says, Naomi, don't call me Naomi. Call me Myra because I'm bitter. And so I want to look at that because I believe that there's mothers here. You don't understand, and most mothers don't understand the power of the influence of a mother. You know, sometimes as a mother, you can say, I don't feel important. Mothers sometimes don't understand the influences they have. Look at Ruth 1.9. It says, she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept, and they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. So here's Naomi. She must have an impact to play in this woman's life. Did you hear that? You know, you always hear the jokes about the mother-in-law. You know, you always hear, yeah, oh, you know about the mother-in-law. And, you know, the great thing about that, here is Naomi, and, you know, they want to stay with the mother-in-law, you know. And I begin to think about this because here is Naomi. She has no idea the influence she had on this, the influence she had on these women. And I really believe if you're a mother here, this is the battle that you have. Does my life mean anything? Am I any influence? Do I, is my life making a difference in other people? And you can begin to be like Naomi and says, you know what? Don't worry about me. Go your way. I, you know, you don't have nothing to do with me. It's okay. And she did not realize how much she impacted Ruth. And I believe there's mothers here that there is a demonic strategy against motherhood. They said that if a mother uh, was actually, you know, stay-at-home moms. My wife is a stay-at-home mom, thank God. And, you know, that's one of the things. If you're, you know, Let me tell you something. You want to help? You know, you want your wife to stay at home. It would be good. But, you know, a mother wants to be at home with her children. She would love to raise her children. But today is an age because of finances. It's expensive. But I'm going to tell you right now, you know, I have nine children. And my wife raised those children as her little ones. And the blessing was that she could stay at home and do that. That she didn't feel all the struggles of finances coming her way. That's something you need to thrive and strive for. That your wife could stay home and that she could take care of the children. But sometimes, you know, you, know, you can't do that. I understand that. But they said if a mother was going to get a salary, you know how much she would get? $100,000. Some of you are probably saying, I think I'm worth more than $100,000. I think I need to get a little bit more. Because you think about what a mother does. She gets the kids ready. She's organizing. Mothers are probably the best delegators of all time. You know, my wife gets up at the crack of dawn, gets the kids ready. She's there. She is. She's a drill sergeant in a real life and also at home. Amen. And there she is. Get up. Get up. Get up. She, there they are trying to get their pants on, falling asleep. Get up. Get up. Get up. And she does this day in and day out. She's constantly telling the kids what to do. She takes care of the finances. She takes care of the menu. I mean, she is a, uh, she is a restaurant manager. She is a financial uh, uh, economics. You know what I'm saying? She's an economist. She's also uh, a, you know, a general manager in the home. And so mothers, you know what? They're, not, they're worth more than that. You know, my wife gets my check anyway, so she gets paid about as much as I do. 
Their job is non-stop. They are working 24 hours a day. When the child is sick, they are there. There is something about a mother. If they could get paid, they should get paid. But I'm going to go more into this. You know, they always say that the mother, or the, you know, the man is the head of the house. But I'm going to tell you, uh, your wife or your mother is the neck. and She tells the head where to go. Amen? That's the truth. That, you know, even though I, I'm the man of the house, but the reality is that, you know, my wife, that's her house. I don't even mention, it was funny, you saw the announcement, uh, uh, bridal shower at Didi's house, because that's what it is. All I do is sleep there, and I know there's some little midgets that run around the house. And so one of the things about mothers that they battle is that they have no influence. They're not important. They're not influential. You know, George Washington said about his mother, his, my mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All I am, I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. Abraham Lincoln said about his mother, all that I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. 2 Timothy 1.5, when Paul is talking about Timothy, and here's Timothy, a young pastor in the church, and he tells him there, and he says these words to Timothy. He says, I remember your genuine faith, for the share of faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. I know that same faith continues strong in you. Here's Paul realizing what Timothy was, was a product of his mother and his grandmother coming to church and serving God, being faithful, being in the church. You know, he never mentions that Timothy has a father. The only father figure that Timothy has is the Apostle Paul. He's his pastor. He's his leader. But I'm going to tell you something. There's something about these single mothers that come to church and they're trying to do something. And you know what? God, don't think what you're doing it's going to be a waste. What you do is influential. Even Paul recognizes this. It's because the same faith that lied in your grandmother and in your mother is in you. I can look all the way back to my grandmother. Now, I'm not Catholic, but she took me to the Catholic Church. And, but she put in me a doctrine of God. You know, I don't believe in all the doctrine of the Catholic Church, but I'm going to tell you something. At least she took me to church. She was the one that got up and took me and put me in an atmosphere that I can know a real God. And that she put me in that. And that when I knew about Jesus, it didn't take a lot for me to understand who Jesus was because of years my grandmother taking me to church, placing that upon me and showing me. You can go all the way back. There's many preachers who can always talk about their mothers because mothers have a long... Uh, John Wesley's mother had a big influential on her son, always telling him, putting words, scriptures, praying for him. See, there's influential with mothers. The Bible says in Proverbs 31, 38, her children will rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well. You know, children will rise up and say, you're blessed, your husband will praise you. See, Naomi wants to push Ruth away, but God won't let that happen. You know, why do mothers feel like this at times? Why do they feel... That what they do doesn't make a difference. You know, I believe. It says in Ruth 9, 1-9, So the two of them continued in their journey. And when they came to Bethlehem, 
The entire town was excited about their arrival. It was really Naomi, the woman asked. And she says, don't call me Naomi, she responded. And said, call me Mara. You know what Naomi means? The word Naomi actually means sweetness, beautiful. And Mara means bitter and ugly. What happened? What happened to Naomi, this beautiful mother, wife? And what happened here is this beautiful mother. Now she's not Naomi, she is Mara. Bitter, angry. See, to understand this is that, you know, the devil understands your influence, mom. Do you realize there is a demonic strategy against motherhood? As much as there is a demonic strategy against fatherhood, there is such a demonic strategy against motherhood. You can go all the way to the book of Genesis. Here is the devil, and he knows the influence. Because you know what? I'll tell you a lot. I can tell a lot about a man because you know, a lot of times wives listen to their, I mean, husbands listen to their wives. This is very true. I've seen women that have the influence because it's true. Women, let me tell you something. You have more power than you understand. You have more control that you understand. But I'll tell you, uh, one thing I deal with, you know, I'm also a full-time employee. And one thing I deal with, I deal with wives. And I can tell who is the boss. Because the guy, he don't care. You know, I go plus and plus, he don't care. Yeah, just do what you got to do. But the wife, no. And I can tell, they will change on me. Which means, you know, they're getting angry with me. They're yelling at me. And then I find out, they'll tell me, hey, man, I didn't really mean to yell at you. I know why they yelled at me. Because her wife is yelling at them. You need to do something. What are you doing? You're not doing. And so husband, yeah, he don't want to hear that. He'll st- you see, why is that power, folks? You can make your husband's lives miserable. But look what the Bible says. Genesis 3.15 says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between you seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Here he's talking about, another version says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman. He's talking about the devil, folks. There is a demonic strategy against moms. Because he understands the power that you have to influence. I mean, this is what the Bible is saying. God understands that. The devil understands that. But mothers do not. They don't realize the power that they wield in their hand. As raising children is probably the most hardest job in the world. Besides having them, raising them is just as hard. This is why the Bible says in Genesis 3.16, He said to the woman, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception, and in pain you shall bring forth children. Let me tell you something about that. I remember when my wife having children. I have nine kids. I know what it is to have children. But I do the easy work, folks. It got so bad because my wife had so many kids. I would say, Dee Dee, just call me when you're about to have the baby. Because I'd be there waiting, looking, and there she is. I'm about to have the baby. So I, one day it was really funny. Uh, she's about to have the baby. I'm so used to being in the delivery room with her. I said, I'm going to go take a nap. And I couldn't take a nap anywhere, so I went downstairs in the waiting room, and I fell asleep. And there she is about to have the baby, and they can't find me. She was pretty mad at me after the fact, but I got there. We got to have the baby. But it's like, come on, I'm ready for it. It's easy. You know, come on, D, push. You can do it. And, and, and the reality is, you know, guys don't have to do anything. The wives, the mothers have to push. And, but you know what's funny? Even after they have their children, it's still painful in raising children. 
You have to raise them. You have to deal with chicken pox. I don't think they have chicken pox anymore, but if let's say that they do. Sickness, staying late, up late with your children, dealing with earaches. And here a husband comes home, hey, what's for dinner? And if you're not careful, mothers have a hard time. It's difficult to raise children. The devil understands if I can get a mother to turn and not really care, I got it. Because hey, all these great men that I read about you, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, these are great men. But I'm going to tell you something. They had influence because of their mothers. Timothy had influence because of his mother, his grandmother. And if you're coming right now, you can look at your life and you can begin to say, you know what, it is a pain to raise children. It's a pain to be a mother. Because it doesn't stop when they're little children. They can go all the way to be 18, 19, 20, 36 years old, and they can still cause you pain. It's amazing to me where I see this downgrade of motherhood. Oh, being a mom, this woman who gave up her children. Because you know what? That's what society is saying. You know what? You're better going to college instead of raising your children. Now, I'm all for college. I'm all for education. I want, my wife went to college. You know, I'm all for that. But you know what? There is something worthy of raising children. I want to talk about now, call me Mara. Because are you saying that this evening, this morning? Have you become Mara? You used to be Naomi, so sweet, so humble. But now you've become Mara. Because you know the reality is, as she comes to that point, she says, don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made my life very bitter for me. I went full, but the Lord has brought me home empty why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? You know, it's tough being a mother and a wife. Amen? It's tough. And if you're not careful, life has a way of beating you up, folks. Amen? Life has a way of making you struggle. Here's Naomi. Beautiful, sweet. Everybody loves Naomi. I mean, that should, that should have been a TV show. But she comes back to her hometown and she's bitter, she's angry, and she's mad. Call me Mara because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me and I'm angry. You know, some of you feel empty. Here where she says, I left here full of life. But now I've come back empty. It's like, man, Naomi, what happened? You had, I mean, you're a beautiful woman. And I thought about this because you know what happened to her? It's in verse 4. I'm going to read this to you. It says in verse 4, Now they took wives of the woman of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Malan and Chilion also died. And so the woman survived her two sons and her husband. The New Living says that left Naomi alone with her two sons and her husband. Without her two sons and her husband. 
You know why we get this way? Where we feel that we don't want to be a mother. We're bitter. It's because our sons died. You know, mothers get their identity from their children. Who they are is reflected in their children. See, like I said before, mothers don't realize the influence they have on their children. You know, I, I always say, you know, I'm a very sensitive guy. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a crybaby sometimes, you know. My wife laughs at me. But you know where I got that? I got that from my mom. And I, all those sappy movies and love stories that my mom made me watch. And, uh, <laughs> but I'll be honest with you, it made me sensitive. That I, I could do things. And, you know, and I got that from my mother. You see, sometimes mothers, what their children do, good or bad, thinks it has something to do with them. Sometimes the choices that your kids make, you feel that it's something that has to do with you. And you can look at your children, you can say, you know what, you know, here I'm raising these children and they're making bad choices. You can look at you and say, you know, I had something to do with that. That's a reflection of me. And the reality has nothing to do with you. Your children will make bad or good choices with or without you. You have no control over your children. We barely have any control over anything, but more likely we have no control over our children and the choices that they make. All we know how to do is guide them the right way. Nurture them. Show them. My wife is strict when it comes to money. She embeds this in her children. And there she is. Her, uh, her cousin came in, and her cousin, you know, she comes in. She, goes, she gives her children $400 a, a month. A teenage boy, $400 a month. You don't give a teenage boy $400 a month. You don't know what to do with that. And by one week, the money's gone. And so they asked my wife, and what do you do? Well, I make them put money in the savings. I make them take $20, and then I make them pay rent. So we make our teenage boys pay rent. Trust me. Oh, that's harsh. No, my wife is teaching them how to be young, responsible men. Teaching them ethics. Teaching them things that only they can get from their mother. But sometimes your children don't appreciate that. And they'll blame you and they point the finger at you. You don't care. Nah, nah, nah. And, they're, and they're like 20 years old doing this. And they can feel and you can feel in some way that your children are dead to you. Because they have nothing to do with you. Now, don't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. And, and the, sometimes you can feel like Naomi. My, my sons are dead. I don't have them anymore. Because, you know, the hardest thing for a mother is when their children leave the house. It's very difficult, man. You know, guys are not the same. See, men can be so harsh sometimes. I, I'll be honest with you, I'm the same way. Like, go ahead, leave. And my wife's crying, having a ball. And I, you know why? Because she's built up different than me. God has placed some things in her. That's why the Bible says you will have great pain and sorrow. And raising children, because there's not just physical, there's emotional, there's spiritual things that you're connected. I can never be connected to my sons like my mother. I'm sorry, like my wife. I could never be. I want to be, but in actuality, I didn't give birth to those kids. There's something chemical, but not just chemical, spiritual, that a mother has some type of uh, a touch of God with them. Story of Roman Gutierrez, a good friend of mine. And I remember the story of him always telling that there he is, he's done some heroin, he's about to OD, and he's there in the restroom in the shower, and he's crying, God, 
take my life. You're there, and the phone rings, and guess who it is? It's his mother. I, I believe that mothers have a, a supernatural... Uh, it's like something comes into them, and they're connected to their children, and they know when their children are going through it. I have no idea. I'll be in bed. And do you hear that? Do you? What are you talking about? Because I don't have that connection. I didn't give birth to them. All I did was pretty much make them, and my wife birthed them, raised them, is comforting them. She's there late at night when they were little babies. They're holding them, and so she has a spiritual connection with them. Here is Mara. She, I'm sorry, here is Naomi, who thinks she's Mara, has a spiritual connection with her children, and now that they're dead, she says, why should I even live? Sometimes you feel, like I said, that your children don't appreciate you. And that your children are dead to you. And you might feel like that right now. I was once full, but now I'm empty. I've given everything, and I've gotten nothing back. This is, Martin, this is what Naomi says. I went out full, but I've come back empty. The second thing she did is her husband died. You know, sometimes it feels that your husband is dead. Because he's asleep. You know, husband, let me, let me help you out, sister. Your husband does not think the way you think. Okay? You get frustrated how they communicate. I'm going to tell you, men are not communicators. We're barbarians. Huh, good, good food. Good, good. Me eat. Me hungry. And that's who we are. <laughs> and there we are. You're mad. And then your wife's upset and mad at you. Like, what did I do? You know what you did. No, I don't. <laughs> you don't know. Because men and women are different. But, you know, sometimes a wife can feel alone that she's doing everything by herself. And I'm doing all this. My husband's dead. I'm doing it all. Single moms, man, it, it is hard to be a single mom in this world. You can feel that, you know, your husband's dead. You know, he, he, he just, he's not even, the father's not even in the picture. And sometimes a wife will feel neglected. And she thinks her husband takes her for granted. And you can do that. You can take your wife, the mother of your children, for granted. Not understand all the things that are involved in raising children. Let me be honest, I'm as guilty as any man in this room. Because where a wife will get her dignity is from her husband. Where she finds what she is worth is in her husband. So her children are coming against her. They're dead. And her husband is dead. Here's Naomi. I'm Mara. I'm bitter. And listen what it says in verse 1-5. I'm going to read the New Living Translation. It says it better. It says, both Malan and Kilian died, her sons. This left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. You know what times, Mom? Mom, you can feel alone. You feel alone sometimes. It's just you and God. And sometimes you don't even feel God's in the picture. It's just you by yourself. You're battling it by yourself. You're there. You're, here's Naomi. She's battling it. She's like, you know, I, you know, I can't take it anymore. I'm Mara. I'm bitter. I'm alone. My husband's dead. My children are dead. I'm bitter. Mothers can feel alone sometimes. 
Sometimes, mom, you feel that nobody understands you. When you talk, you think that we're like Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. And that's what you think. Nobody understands me. Right? And I'm going to help you, sis. No man is going to understand you. I, I don't have all the chemistry as a woman. And only people that, and only people that understand women, and I'll be honest, women don't even understand women. God is the only one that understands what you're going through. He's the only one that sees you what you're going through. I want to talk about call me blessed. Because you know what's so funny about this? She says, call me mother. Call, call me Mara because I'm bitter. You know why I think it's such a funny story? Because there's Naomi and there's Ruth. She doesn't want to leave Naomi. And there's Ruth. She very, must be a very beautiful girl. And Boaz comes on his horse. Oh, you know, buff, you know. Comes on his horse and he sees Ruth. And so what they do is that he drops handfuls of grain and food on the ground that she can get it. And she goes back to Naomi. And she says, Ma, Ma. She goes, yeah, I met this guy. He was Boaz. And whoo, the, the mom instinct turned on Naomi. I'm bitter. I don't want nothing to do with anybody. I'm tired. I'm tired of it. I just want to quit. <laughs> but it's fun thing. It's funny. Naomi begins to come out of Mara. And she begins to tell her, okay, this is what you need to do. You need to stay in Boaz's yard because he's been good to us. He is a redeemer. And she does that. And she comes back, hey, he, 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 I mean, he really likes me and all that. And listen to the word she says. I'm going to read the New Living because I like what it says in the New Living. Listen to what she says to her about this. And I want to read this. I'm sorry. In Ruth 3, I'm going to read the New Living because it actually makes it in plain English. She says, one day Naomi said to Ruth, my daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you. I'm tired of you staying here. You need to get married and get out of my house. <laughs> so that you will be provided for. She, she, look at look into what she's doing. She's a mother. I'm bitter. But something will not let her stay angry. There's something that says, no, I care. Boaz is close and a relative of ours. And he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with young women, with his young women. Tonight, listen, he'll be uh, winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now, do as I tell you. Take a bath. Put on some perfume and dress in the nicest clothes. I mean, come on. It's so funny. You think about it. I can just imagine what's going on here. Okay, girl, let me tell you. This is what you got to do if you're going to get this guy. You need to take a shower. You need to look nice. And you got to get his attention. That's what mothers do, don't they? It's so funny. How come? I don't care, but my wife, oh, you need to do this. And mothers, they, they want to do this. It's within them to want to help and give. And he says this to her. Then go to the threshing floor. Don't let Boaz see you until he has finished. I mean, she is walking her through all this. And he said, after he's finished eating and drinking, be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go uncover his feet, lie down there, and he will tell you what to do. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instruction of the mother-in-law. You know, Mom, some of you, 
just feel like, ha, I'm done. You can't be done. Because you're the only one that can do and be a mother. I could never be a mother. I don't believe in Mr. Mom. Okay? Because my girl, <laughs> one day my wife left, and there's my beautiful daughter, Raven, with her nice curly hair. And I remember she left for a week, and I said, okay, you'll be gone. I'll be fine. There I am with Raven. I dressed her. Hey, oh, yeah, have mercy on me, guys. <laughs> I go to the church, and every woman, what do you have into Raven's hair? Why is she dressing like that? I said, she looks fine. What are you talking about? She's beautiful. Her hair's all knotted up. It's a summer and she's wearing snow boots and a dress. Personally, I think there was nothing wrong with her. But see, I'm not a mother. I can't dress my daughter. All I can do is teach my daughter how to be a woman. My sons to be men. But my wife has some special relationship with my children that I can never have. And mothers, your children have a relationship only they can have with you. They, you, 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 you play such an influential part in their lives, you have no idea. The problem is you're not seeing what you want to see right now. All you see is the agony, the pain. And that's what you're seeing. Here's Naomi. Her children are dead. But there she is trying to be a mother to a woman that's not even her mother. You know what's a sad thing here? Here's Ruth. And Ruth is saying, Naomi, you're more a mother to me than my mother ever was to me. You know, my wife said that one time to me. Not to me being a mother, okay? But she said, you know, your mom is like a mom to me. That my mother was never a mother to me. So here she goes, she takes, she marries Boaz, they have, a they have a child, and when they have this child, guess what they name him? Obed. Obed means comforter. Comforter. And listen to what the Bible says about Naomi. All the women see Naomi. And they look and they said to him, the woman of the town said to Naomi, this is in Ruth 4, Praise the Lord, listen, who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for your old age, Naomi. For he is a son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than even seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breasts. And she cared for him. As if he were her own. The neighbor woman said, Now at last Naomi has a son again. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the grandfather of David. Who is the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus Christ. See, mom, it's at the end of your life where God will restore you. You might not see all you want to see. But at the end of your life, your children, your husband will call you blessed. You will be the crown of the family. But you have to keep being a mother and being a wife. And don't let this world tell you any different. I like every head bone and every eye close.
Naomi was the mother of the king of kings. See, some of you moms are going to be raising some kings and some queens. You have no idea the influence you have in children. You have no idea what God is doing in your life. You may say, you know what, my children, they don't care for me. I went out full, but now I'm empty. I'm going to tell you, God understands what you're going through. God appreciates.